welcome back. It's Brian, your host. It has been quite a long time since we've been together, and uh, end of the year uh, 17 was was crazy busy, and uh, I had made a resolution when uh, January rolled around that this podcast was going to get restarted in a big way, and then I blinked, and then all of a sudden, it's March, and here we are, so uh, welcome back. So happy uh, to have the podcast underway again. Uh, we don't really record things in seasons or... Uh, consider them to be separate seasons. So this is going to be episode 50. And I get to spend almost an hour with a really interesting and really, really smart guy named James DiBiazio. He is a Hong Kong-based writer of uh, thrillers and murder mysteries. And he really kind of breaks down the publishing industry for us and how authors can navigate through that world. So for everybody who is interested in that world or interested in talking about Hong Kong or interested in thrillers, suspense, novels, mysteries, murder, crime thrillers, you name it, this is for you. Here we go. Episode 50 with author James DiBiazio. You're listening to Creative Confidential, hosted by attorney, author, and musician Brian Tuck. Brian's legal practice is focused on arts and entertainment law, entrepreneurs, startup companies, and nonprofit and faith-based organizations. To learn more, visit tucklaw.com on the web. Creative Confidential starts now. My guest today is Hong Kong-based author Gene DiBiazio. James, how are you? Hey, how are you doing, Brian? I'm doing great. You know, screw these time zones. We we did finally figure it out. Uh, we had been trying to it's put this. It's only the other side of the planet, right? I mean, how big a deal is that? <laughs> we we'd been trying to put this together for a couple of weeks, and uh, finally found a window. We were we were both uh, we could both make it work. So thanks for joining us today. And thanks for having me. And uh, great hello to the audience, and thank you for your listening. So I am almost halfway through Bloody Paradise. And, Great. And, and we'll unpack some, some things that uh, uh, that work and, and a couple others that, uh, uh, that you've, you've produced. And James and I, we went to the same high school. We weren't in the same kind of circle necessarily, but we know of each other, I guess. I'll put it that way. And... When I know when I saw that you moved to Hong Kong, well, I'm giving the whole story away. Um, it, I really, you know, I had that kind of small town thing where you always wonder what it's what would it be like, you know? What if I just picked up and moved? What if I just got out of town? What if I did A, B, or it's C? Lot, yeah, it's it's a lot easier to do it when you're in your twenties, uh, or maybe in your thirties. But uh, it depends where you go. Uh, Hong Kong is uh, it, it's a very social place, so it's it's easy to make acquaintances here. Now uh, the yeah, good. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Keep keep going. Well, I mean, honestly, when you when you have sticks and go somewhere, it can be pretty lonely, right? Uh, and uh, you're on your own, so you have to kind of, or you and your your family are on your own. You'd have to figure that one out. But 
I came here when I was uh, at the tail end of 26. Uh, I had a job. I was coming with a, a New York employer, uh, and so I didn't know anybody here. But at least I had a, a place to show up and say, "Hi, I'm I'm working here now. Uh, where's my desk?" You know, <laughs> uh, and uh, and everybody at that office was a lot like me. Uh, people in their 20s and 30s, uh, and most of them were also expats, expatriates, and uh, and you know after work everybody goes out uh, drinking. Uh, so it was or, or goes um, goes paddling or goes hiking or or, or something. And uh, so I think because you have a, a, a Hong Kong is a city that where it's very condensed. Um, you have a large population of people from a lot of different countries, and so everyone's. In the same boat, I guess. Many people just stay for a few years, but then some like me end up, you know, uh, liking it and finding finding a purpose here. And uh, but it's it's a social place. People work late. Uh, work turns into, uh, you know, a few drinks or, uh, or a client meeting or something. And uh, there's a lot of club activities. So uh, it, it you, you find what you like to do, um, a sport or a hobby or a pursuit, and you you find people that way. Um, and it was the same when I, I was in Paris in 2016. And the same thing, I, I found the local writers community, just plugged straight in. And I, before I knew it, I had a whole bunch of friends. So, that, you know, it was a lot of fun. So how did you get from, how did you get from Pennsylvania to Europe? Uh, oh, uh, so I grew up in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, uh, and still enjoy going back to, to visit my, my family. And see a few friends. I'm still friends with uh, a bunch of people from from high school, which is really nice. And I I left when I was 18 to go to college in Washington D.C. and did some study abroad activities. And then uh, my first job after I went to grad school, my first job, but then was in New York City, and that was you know a fun wild time. Uh, and then with that employer, they sent me to Hong Kong, which I think for most people when they go abroad, they think well it'll be you know, two years, a uh, bit of fun, bit of adventure, uh, learn something, and then and then go back. But the opportunities in in Hong Kong and Asia for me just sort of opened up, and so I decided to to quit uh, that employer. Uh, and after working for them for three years in Hong Kong, and and joined some people that were more on the ground, and uh, and never really looked back. And then, of course, a few years after that, I, I met the woman who became my wife, and she's from here. So, uh, you know, you just sort of settle in so hong kong feels is, is probably my, my primary home even though i'm i'm obviously i identify as an american so you had trying to trying to put you know string all the all the moves together now so you work in the financial sector by by day i guess this is sort of this one of the, this interview definitely falls into the um you know there there is a day job there is a heavy duty creative pursuit also that is done at a professional yeah. level. And I know a lot of people that I talk to are in the boat of, of working a job they, they don't like and they want to write plays or they want to write films or be an actor or be a musician or whatever it is. And they're not sure how to get from where they are to where they want to go. That's that seems to be more often than not. That's the unifying thing of all the creators that I 
work with, hang out with, or or or, or just know, um, you know, know casually that they can't. It's almost like they want to jump, but they're not quite sure how to do it or how to get there. And I and I tell them, you know, this story is different for everybody. You know, no. Yeah, but I tell the same story. It is a very commonplace situation. It's just that the, the, the circumstances are different, and the fields may have their own quirks. But the, the, the you know you just you just laid out the unifying concept. Uh, I you know for writers the, the 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 easy thing is that the writing itself you can you don't you can do it by yourself. You have to do it by yourself actually by by definition. So uh, you, you're not reliant for the creation part of it. You you know you are a self-contained vessel. Uh, but when it comes to the everything else, uh, then you are, then you need to get into the world, uh, and and it's painful because, you know, you're working a, a full-time job. I'm I'm fortunate. I, I like what I do for uh, for my day job. But um, uh, I now have my my own business, uh, which I which I enjoy. But uh, nonetheless, it's it's a full-time commitment. And then the writing itself, of course, takes you know a lot of time. And if you've got family or other things, then Yet more time. So then the, the 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 you're left with a very narrow sliver of of time to to do the commercial side or the marketing side of your creative pursuit, and uh, and and that's that's tough. I, I don't have amazing advice because I haven't really done a great job of it myself, but I am learning, and I think being lear- learning and being open, uh, you know, is is at least a, a healthy start. Well, I, I think you're further along than you you think you are. <laughs> I'll put it I'll, I'll put it that way because so many people, you know, taking the first step. Like, let's say you want to write a play or, or a screenplay or whatever it is. Um, the first, just the first step of actually beginning to create the thing, whatever it is, is sort of a, a, a psychological hurdle that one has to. To, to cross then finishing the thing is is another hurdle that you hopefully you get to and I know a lot of people start things and you know they start records that they don't finish or they start writing songs that they don't finish or, or whatever it is and then once you have what you perceive to be a complete project whether it's a book or a, a short story or a play or, or what have you you don't want it to sit in a drawer, you know, you, you want, you want other people to see it. You want to, you know, try to convert it into a living if you possibly can. And, you know, I, I think one thing that's, that's definitely that I have, you know, heard from the people that follow the podcast is, um, you know, I, I finished a book, you know, let's, let's stick with writing since that's what you're an author. Um, I finished a project. Now what? Yeah. <laughs> like, now how do well, I get it in front of people? Yeah. Well, for for writing, and I I don't know what the 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 analog would be for for other pursuits, but although writing itself is something you do by yourself, I, I rely on writers groups uh, to in the, in the in the in the process of doing the writing. So I find other writers. I don't rely on the friends and family network. So that's not going to help you in this case. What you need is to find other writers 
who are also on projects to be this genre. In fact, it's better if they're a bit diverse. But uh, and then you critique each other's work um, in purely online formats, like on uh, sites like Wattpad, um, where you end up sort of getting you know, the universe to critique your work. I haven't attempted that. It, um, it, one one reason is I, I like the physical camaraderie of, of working with people. Um, and so you end up with a, a sometimes people are, are not your cup of tea, but, uh, and you need people to be in there with a, with a pretty healthy attitude. Uh, they're, if they're just looking for ego trips, then forget it. But, uh, you know, you work with other writers, you, you give back, they give to you, it helps you, uh, working as you go along. So you've got that process where you've already got sort of a, a small team of people that are, are working with you and there might be a broader community you can tap there to, just to start and it you know these people will hopefully be become friends well and it gives you a social side to what's otherwise a pretty solitary pursuit it also gives you some people that are like-minded so it's nice to develop that community and i think that that just gives you a base you can you can swap uh war stories or complaints or as well as um, opinions and, and critiques of, of each other's work so just to have that human connection is a good place to start. Um, then, in, in the case of writing, if if you really are trying to get published, then you know that might depend. If you first of all, nonfiction versus fiction, they're they're, they're different. Uh, but um, you know, then if if you really have a work that you are confident is 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 publishable, then you have to decide: do you want to self-publish or do you want to try to get it through the traditional publishing world? Um, the traditional publishing world is mostly five big houses in New York, uh, that own a variety of imprints. You need an agent in most cases to access that. So they need to go to get an agent, which is painful. Um, but there's also a lot of small presses that cater to niche areas and they often accept submissions from writers. So you can, you, you can try one of those. Uh, but they will still have a pretty high, usually they'll have a fairly high level of quality. You have to have a, a pretty clean manuscript. Um, so if you're not sure that that's what you have, you might want to hire an editor or someone like that to, to take a look as well. Professional, you know, pay them uh, for professional service. Um, or there's magazines. Again, if you have a particular genre or you know very niche area of, of subject matter that where, where you're playing, then yeah, go find out. Who uh, you know? Just Google around. Are there maybe some some quirky magazines or online zines that, that cater to what you're doing? Just to get your name out there, try and see how good you are. Write some short stories. Um, and, you know, you just have to keep building it up. Um, fortunately, with writing, it it's something you do get better at. It's not like a sport where you become your body starts to betray you and you can't do it and can't keep up anymore. With writing, actually, you get better as you get older. So. Um, so at least you, you, it, it, you can continue to pursue that with, with some degree of optimism, uh, or at least just enjoy it. Um, and, uh, but, but definitely don't quit the day job <laughs> for writing. I wouldn't recommend that unless you really think that you've got something that is going to be, going to be marketable. Um, and some people do find success online, uh, as self-published authors, uh, they will find, um, you know, but they have to have the marketing chops to go with it. Well, the thing in definitely the thing in music to sort of jump around different genres. Um, the traditional gatekeepers are less powerful, I, I would argue. I, I think if with 
the availability of, of technology, you can record a, a record, whatever genre you're in, and have it sound more or less professional. Now, this assumes you're a great songwriter, but for lack, just for the sake of argument, but you can upload that to SoundCloud or to iTunes or CD Baby or wherever, and then you've got a product that that people can consume. Do you think that the traditional, you know, the gate, the traditional gatekeepers in the publishing world still have close to as much power as they did 10 or 20 years ago, or has that also eroded? It's eroded, but they have, uh, they still have a pretty strong lock on bookstore distribution. They have learned how to partner with Amazon uh, to make sure that they are, um, if they want to push a particular title, it will, it will find uh, attention. Uh, uh, and they're, they're still pretty, pretty strong. Uh, they don't have what they what, what people can do, of course, is self-publish. Uh, and there's also a lot of niche publishers that have emerged, sprouted up in the past 10 years, um, who can run a business very cheaply and they can publish books very deeply. And so they can support a fairly modest business for people in, in different niches. So the, the self-publishing world is enormous. Um, I've, I've flirted with the idea of do I do that because waiting for a traditional process is is very it's a very slow inefficient uh, rather frustrating uh, industry, but uh, but I decided that I a um, I wanted to have a shot at trying to have a, a mainstream opportunity, and b um, there is a lot that goes into self publishing beyond writing the book. Um, it's it, it's a big commitment of time. Uh, there is some cost involved to do it well. Uh, and some people have been amazingly successful at that and can live off of that. Uh, and uh, but, but think about the number of success stories versus the fact that there's three or four hundred thousand of these published every year. Um, you know, it's, it's a big uh, it's a big ocean of, of, of failure, and so there are. But there are people who, who figure it out. You have to spend some time learning it. Um, there's a number of support groups on Facebook and 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 so on. Who, where I found people will share uh, a lot of useful information. I, I keep tabs on, on what people do. Uh, I think some of it is increasingly applicable to people who have a a publisher, particularly a small publisher like me. Um, and I think that the publishing world can definitely learn a lot from independent authors and. Frankly, I'm amazed at how obtuse <laughs> the uh, traditional publishing world is. Actually, they, they still they still think that um, there's seasons and, uh, and 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 they think in a very uh, outdated way. So, uh, but but they 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 are the the main conduit if you want to get into bookstores uh, or have any kind of uh, real distribution. Could could you describe for us the the process of finding an agent? Then I, I think uh, yeah. with, with respect to Finding that, agent, that really uh, has to help really open the door. I would think. Yeah, uh, if you're going to go to any of the any of the major publishers, you pretty much have to have an agent. Um, there there might be a few exceptional cases, but they really would be exceptions. Uh, uh, like I said, there are smaller prints that do not require agents, and if you're writing in a particular niche or genre, then you should check those out too. Uh, but getting an agent is is just as bad as, as anything it's um you you have to go through a lot of 
sending queries and, and knocking on doors. The um, it's it's basically a terrible process, and the agent community is um, on the one hand they're they're swamped. Uh, they do get a lot of stuff, so I'm sympathetic that they have to read and wade through a lot of stuff. But they're also they and the publishing world are are also really bad at getting back to people, um, and so they're they're you know they're they're not a very service friendly service oriented uh, industry inefficient, but. Um, the, the probably the best way to get an agent is to figure out where to where they are where will they go so I write thrillers uh, and so I attended uh, thriller fests which is a big industry uh, annual bash in New York City in the summers and at this point I, I was established enough that in fact I was actually going to meet editors because I already had an agent but there's a that's these kind of events they will have um, pitch opportunities because the agents are always looking for something fresh they're always looking for the next thing that they think will be a hit so they also need to find good writers uh, but just sending the sending the manuscript through at time after time can be very frustrating so trying to meet them face to face going to festivals you have to pay a little bit of money but going to the festivals where the agents in your area will show up and will take um, you know it's like speed dating services and you sit there, and there, there's there's a number of these in, in different uh, the UK and the US and Canada. They all have them, uh, and uh, I, and, and the, I'm referring to one that's just for thrillers, which is good because you you start narrowing down the people that would be most likely to take a uh, take the time to listen to you, and they they'll they'll tell you when you meet them uh, if if they want you to send them something or not uh, and they might because you've got them face to face if they don't like the idea or your, your pitch is terrible they'll, they'll they'll give you a little bit of feedback there um, so I would recommend if you're serious about it um, you have to go through this process and it is demoralizing and horrific uh, but but try to find them in, in festivals or places where you can find a, a whole bunch of agents in face-to-face -face encounters and that I think is the best way to go and one thing that you mentioned really is important in that just like with everything else in marketing now, everything is niche. Um, you wouldn't go to an agent who specializes in business books or political treatises or whatever if you were trying to sell a mystery novel or, no, yeah, or the reverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. I mean, you have to do a little bit of research, and you don't want to waste their time. I think one reason why their industry is sometimes inefficient is because they do get uh, an avalanche of stuff, and a lot of it's not appropriate. Uh, so, when you, you don't go to an agent until you've got, especially in the the fiction world, you don't go until you've got your manuscript is is basically readable and publishable, uh, and and you know who your audience should be. Um, and that, that's actually, this probably applies maybe to, to arts beyond literature. Knowing your audience is important. It's important to, because if you just say, well, everybody should be liking my book, man, you know, uh, the truth is that a lot of people will not like your book, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, not, it, is, it has nothing to do with the quality of the book or the story or the setting. It's just because they're not interested in what, you're, what, what, what makes you tick. So you've got to find... Uh, the, the audiences uh, that and you have to have an idea when you talk to an agent or a publisher uh, or any kind of intermediary about who you're trying to reach. Um, and when you do the, the marketing, you know, if you want to 
uh, let's just say Facebook. Uh, if uh, no, I, don't, I don't think Facebook works too well, but if you wanted to use Facebook or, or LinkedIn in the professional world, and you want to do an ad AdWords campaign, uh, you know, you, you, what are the the attributes that you're about? So I write thrillers uh, and and crime fiction. So I, I would think, okay, people who like uh, John Le Carre and who, uh, or, you know, a few favorite, or maybe a few movies that would be in the same genre, you know, Red Sparrow's out now. Um, and think about, think about who, who you're writing for there. <clears throat> are you writing for men or women? Um, are you, uh, writing for people who want hard boiled or people who want cozy little Agatha Christie type mysteries? You know, these are very different segments within the broad world of, of crime and mystery fiction. So um, you, you have to have a, an idea about about that. Uh, and it helps you, I think, frame yourself as a, as a business person in the in the creative arts. Well, I, I, I tell my students in my entrepreneurship classes that, you know, the more specifically you can describe your ideal customer, and, and I hate, I know we're talking about art, and I hate I don't mean to sound mercenary about it or, or, or crass, but you know, the more specifically you can define who your customer is with very, you know, specific, you know, identifiers, meaning, you know, the person that's going to like this is someone in their twenties, probably male, probably from the Northeast part of the country for, you know, for whatever reason, um, right. if you can start drilling down into those kinds of characteristics, then you can tailor a more mar effective, uh, marketing plan. Campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you're just doing it on your own, because you're going to be, you are going to be doing a lot of this on your own, even if you're published or if you've got a, an agent or you've got a, a label or whatever. Uh, so you need to have that, that sense. And also, you know, you said, I don't want to be crass about it. I think when you're making the art itself, you don't, you should not be thinking about who am I going to sell it to. When I write, I'm not thinking, oh, well, there's this niche market that I'm trying to appeal to. Forget that. I'm not, you know, life is too short. I'm trying to create something that I think is awesome because it's, it, because it is. Um, and, and I'm not trying to change it because I think, oh, if I tweak this, then it'll, it'll sell. Maybe that works for, for already established authors who do have a following and, they might have a, a certain uh, set of parameters they need to maintain because they already have a brand, um, and you know that could become a trap for some of them. But but when you're starting out, I think you know, just focus on the the work itself is is what you love, and it's a it's a compulsion, right? You don't do it because you think it's a it's you know an efficient money 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 generating thing. Um, but then when you when you've completed the work and it is time to find your audience, uh, then you have to be pretty nuts and bolts, you know, pinstripes and, uh, and, and, you know, suspenders and get out there and, and be a business person. Well, the something, I mean, what you said is exactly right on and, and, you know, sort of the old rule of thumb still applies that the artist's duty is only to him or herself. And, you know, you, you write novels that you think are great, uh, certain you know successful bands you know write songs that they that they love to play and if if there's that kind of joy um in the creation of of something then then there's probably somebody out there that's also uh gonna gonna dig it too i would yeah. think yeah 
Uh, I think that's true. There's always going to be some audience for you. The good news about the internet economy is that it's a lot easier now to find that audience. The question is, is that audience, you know, big or small? Um, if it's small, then I think you have to decide that, you know, what you do is like this quirky thing. You do it really well. It's your thing. You've got a small group of people that dig it. Uh, and, and it's never, it may never go beyond that. Um, and you have to decide that you're going to be satisfied with that because you love the creation process and you love sharing it with people who, who um, are appreciative. Uh, but of course, when you, if you're thinking about how do I turn this into something I can live off of or supplement my income, uh, then you do need to have a product, let's call it a product, that, uh, or a brand or a you know, service that, that, that is more widely enjoyable. Um, so I write thrillers. My first two thrillers, the ones that have been published, are set in Asia. For an American audience, that is frankly a bit of a stretch, even though my characters are Americans. So, uh, you know, how do you, you know, so was, I, if I had set Bloody Paradise in Key West, I, it would have been a lot easier to sell, <laughs> you know, and that's just like, so you got to just decide that, but, but I didn't want to set it in Key West, although Key West is very nice. Um, I wanted to, to set it in, in Koh Samui off the, uh, in Thailand, and, um, and that's that's a beautiful place, and I wanted to write a story there, and uh, and so that's that you know I wouldn't have been inspired to write it about another place. Well, it, let's talk, that's a great segue. Um, let's talk about Bloody Paradise a little bit. I'm I'm halfway through it. Um, I was trying to trying to cram and 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 get all the way uh, through it prior to to uh, to right now. But um, tell us tell us a little bit. You know, set the story up. Uh, I don't want to give too much of it away, so I uh, I'll do, I certainly defer to you. But you know, tell the audience a little bit about Bloody Paradise. A guy named Trav shows up on this high resort island uh, on a flight with um, a bag of cash, a broken hand, and a real pissed off triad boss on his tail. Triads are like Chinese mafia, uh, and so he's he's gone there. He's he's really messed up. And he's uh, he, he's in hiding, um, and he's he's supposed to just kind of heal um, and figure out a plan. And and his his life has basically been been completely uh, blown up, mostly by his own stupidity. Uh, and um, and then he meets uh, he meets a woman uh, who uh, who he actually knew briefly back in he was working in Hong Kong in, in finance, um, and he was uh, training to be a fighter boxer uh, and. Uh, and, but he was also doing a little bit of yoga, and he met this woman who was the new instructor. And uh, you know, there's instant bang between these two. And um, and she's with uh, this really nasty piece of work uh, boyfriend, um, and she's got her own problems. And so the two of them are basically hopeless cases, uh, and uh, they end up in in quite a lot of danger. Uh, and they have to decide they can trust each other to survive and get off the island, um, but Trust is in short supply when you're in bloody paradise. So uh, <laughs> that's the thing, yeah. And and bloody paradise because the bad guys are, are are British. So there's a point where it says something like you know, um, bloody this, bloody that, and uh, and so the, the the title then became bloody paradise. So it's a play on both the the slang uh, as well as uh, just forward. You know that there's going to be uh, a few people getting killed. Well, and it, it's really an interesting juxtaposition to take a resort, you know, destination that's that's sort of idyllic and uh, 
turn it almost into, you know, this place of danger, sort of a, a not quite a prison, but uh, a place where, you know, the, the character, again, I don't, I don't want to give too much away, but, you know, the characters seem to me that they're not sure what kind of shape they're going to be in when they get off the island if if they get off the island back to to where they live so um it's really an interesting turn of of circumstance i I, i'll say it that way um you know one thing i had been meaning to ask you was you know when i when i buy as everybody should when i when i buy a copy of of bloody paradise from amazon or from whatever your favorite retailer is that represents sort of the tip of the of a lot of time and energy you know prior to the time when you published your first book how many things did you write and stick in a drawer that never saw the light of day a lot um, in my, uh, you know, my twenties, I wanted to be a writer. I had done a lot of writing kid stuff in, in, uh, high school and, and, and so on, uh, a little in college, but it just didn't come. Um, you know, I think to be a, a writer, you, some, some people nail it when they're quite young bastards. Um, but, uh, <laughs> the, um, but, but for most of us, I think you need to have something to say and you need to have a certain level of experience and you need to practice and you need to read a lot. Reading is fundamental. So um, it just took time and I had a lot of – I wrote some you know, really terrible uh, short stories, but I couldn't get anything off the ground seriously. Um, but then a different life experience moved to New York, okay, and then I moved to, to Hong Kong. And, it, you know, it, and then stuff started just it, – it started to, to permutate. I was traveling a lot. In those days, still do, but um, I was in Japan and Thailand quite a lot for work, um, great places, and it began to come together. The, the, my first book was about this um, woman, American woman, uh, working in a hostess bar in Japan, uh, whose number one customer is an old guy with sinister hobbies and a map to stolen World War II gold, uh, and. Um, and I was interested in history and I was reading, absorb, you know, just really immersing myself in these, these worlds, these true worlds, and uh, trying to make some sense of it, you know, um, and the, the different, you know, vastly different cultures, uh, which is fascinating and, and a lot of fun. And, you know, then I, I guess I was just a little bit old enough and mature enough, and that one finally, I, I pushed it. It was, it was really hard because I, I, I knew it was easy to fail and easy to quit. Um, but I, I, I kept up with that. It took me a while. I workshopped it. That was the first time I really started doing the workshops that I mentioned earlier, and that also helped. It helped with confidence because people were liking it. It helped with um, some ideas. Not all of them were, were great ideas, but it you know it just was a little bit of feedback, and, um, and it took me a while, but I finally got it done, and uh, and that was that was a breakthrough. Although I have to say that the disappointing is then after that I tried to kind of re. re, re write other big epic action adventure stories like that and i couldn't do it um they just kept falling away so i actually had quite a few failures after the first book got published or actually it hadn't been published but after i finished writing it um it took a long time to find a home but um my subsequent efforts were were failures uh just couldn't couldn't keep the momentum and bloody paradise was a bit of a reaction to that because the first book was this big sweeping epic and 
with 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 goes back in history and, and stuff like that. Uh, and and I, I tried repeating that formula, it just didn't work. So I I wanted to do something small, intimate, gritty, but but manageable, I guess. And um, and that's where Bloody Paradise came about. So it's just a handful of characters, one setting, um, and it's just a bunch of idiots <laughs> trying to trying to you know, and, and a little bit of a love story, I guess, kind of a a sort of love story, yeah. Well, how so? How do besides Amazon? How do we find? How do the listeners uh, find out about you? Where where should they go? Uh, well, I have a website. It's www.jamedbiazio.com, uh, and that's a that's a mouthful. <laughs> Sorry, I, I wasn't born John Smith, but um, uh, but I guess you'll have the, the my, my name on your your site, Brian. But um, so I, I've got some some cool stuff there. Um, I, I do a blog where I mostly review other books. Um, I write in in the genre. I review both like famous books as well, crime fiction books as well as those being written by uh, contemporary authors who are kind of in the same boat as me. People who are working in small presses and and doing creative stuff. And so I like to to read both the classics, the big blockbusters, as well as what's bubbling up uh, from I guess my my cohort or my peers. And uh, and I so I do some reviews there. And um, yeah, uh, it's it's a, it's a fun fun pastime, but it's hard to f- make the time for for all of that. Uh, the reading I, I do, but sometimes just managing the blog and keeping that going is is also a commitment. So you have to you have to kind of make make the time, which is uh, you know just do your best to, to clear the decks and, and get it done. Well, certainly, and and you know just even people that that blog as a hobby or um, do do that in conjunction with some other job or some other pursuit. Um, that's that's the kind of thing that if you don't go in focus, knowing what you want to say, you know, I'm going to do 300 words on the Oscars, or I'm going to uh, do 500 words on, uh, you know, the Last Jedi or something like that. Uh, it, if you don't go in focused, it really can suck up your your spare time as it were especially you know if you're working i'm drawing air quotes around that the the traditional you know day job still so it's uh you can only burn the candle at both ends for so long uh just you can't do it forever but it's uh no and you have to yeah you have to take breaks and you have to um uh be when i'm writing i try to be as consistently you know i try to keep to some kind of schedule but then uh, i try to take some breaks between projects and and uh yeah take a vacation right <laughs> what's um I, what I was about to say what's that um i'm i'm uh, honestly with with the podcast and the the my day job my day job is a as a solo lawyer um it's it's just tough to keep everything going at a high level and not get to Saturday and just want to sleep, you know, yeah. all, all weekend. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, well for my, me weekends is when I do my, my writing stuff. So I, I kind of, I view it as I, I work two jobs and I work one of them Monday to Friday and the other one I work, you know, partly Saturday and Sunday, um, at least one day of those two. But, um, you know, I, I think it helps to have a, you know, I've got a, a fantastic wife uh, and a, a nice setting at home. So I think that 
that helps you get things done as well. And um, I, I think that you know having having some some place in your life, uh, whether it's family or friends or something that or I don't know, just a dog. Uh, but um, I don't think a dog would quite fill the fill the fill the bill. But you know, I think it's good to have some some place in your life that is is your rock, you know, and it's not related to your work, um, and uh, it, it's just something that that you can you, you can retreat to, or who's who's never going to judge you, um, or not, you know, not be judgmental about about the work in, in that kind of way. So. Um, I think I'm, I'm very fortunate that I, I have that in my life, um, and it's it's helped me be able to to then focus and get and get things done. Well, it's it has been a pleasure having you having you uh, stop virtually stop by and, and spend some time with us, and definitely would would love to do a follow up with you um, at at some point soon to kind of check in and see where your where your next uh, project is going. What what are you working on now? Uh, so I've been writing um, a whole series of international thrillers with a, a strong uh, female protagonist, um, and uh, I'm, I'm they're with my agent, and she's been trying to get them a home. Uh, it's been tough. Uh, I don't know what the outcome of that will be, but I'm working on the. I just sent her the third book uh, in the series, so. It'd be great at some point if, if that will f- see the light of day because it's it's uh, I'm really excited. I, I love I love working on this character and, and the series. Lots of action um, and uh, it's it's pretty cool stuff. So I, I hope it, it 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 gets out there. It's I'm very pleased with it. It's definitely my my best work so far. Cannot wait. We will uh, we will definitely check back and uh, when when you're ready, we'll we'll do a part two. Awesome. And uh, I enjoy your podcast, Brian, so keep up the good work. Thank you, sir. I definitely will. I uh, Again, everybody, James DiBiazio, you can check him out on the web at jamesdibiazio.com. We will link to his personal page on the show notes and uh, also in your description on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you're checking this out. So um, everybody, James DiBiazio, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me and uh, have a good day, everybody. Thanks for listening to Creative Confidential. To get future episodes, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, follow the show on SoundCloud, or visit us on the web at creativeconfidential.net. Creative Confidential is a production of Force 10 Media and the Tuck Law Offices.